All right. Well, where would you send your kids to school or university? China or somewhere else? Workouts in, four miles at lunch, and feeling fine. Great late brewing, expanding their business, easier green card access? Hmm. And yeah, the bank info was wrong. Gonna have to update that tomorrow. Yay. March motion vids going up. Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. Happy International Women's Day. I'm Steven Sersky. Hope you're doing well. And yes, March 8th is um, International Women's Day, which is not at all commemorated in North America at all. Uh, China, Europe, they do. Uh, although I'm not sure if in the far eastern Slavic uh, parts they are really respecting that day very much these days. Uh, anyway, so um, all the all the best. Thank you for your hard work. Uh, and uh, here's thinking of you, uh, the women in our lives who are out there struggling every day. And I do I do think of the mothers. I'm not going to lie. I mean, uh, my mom had five kids. Four of them were boys. Uh, and I can't help but think I'm like. You know, <laughs> that's tough. Uh, I know a few single mothers uh, who have kids here uh, in China, and it's I, I'm surprised. I, I, I admire their ability to uh, um, work full-time jobs and raise a child at the same time. Uh, and it, it's not just mothers. Like, I, I know single mothers here who have children. I don't know any single fathers who have children here, so I'm not sure if that tells you anything or whatever uh it could just also be the like the the circles that i sort of run in basically but so international uh, women's day send the uh, the ladies and the women in your life a uh, message a rose and that you're thinking of them however as i found out uh the number 38 if you say it in mandarin chinese is like a very bad word to say to women uh so if you basically if you want another uh, trigger word for you to uh stand up and fight someone with um the 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 phonetic or the pronunciation of the number three and the number eight together in china in mandarin chinese basically uh calls women a very not nice name basically it's the uh the similar to uh the chinese uh the fighting word chinese like if you go sha you finish that in with the uh, second part of pencil. Uh, and uh, if you don't know what, exactly what I'm talking about, that's fine. You don't need to know these words because if you ever said these words, you'd probably get yourself into trouble. Um, you would not use these words unless you were looking to resolve the trouble that was percolating or something, right? Um, all that being said is that uh, I didn't realize this uh, was an issue um, only because I was talking about episode numbers in my podcast and yeah number three and number eight if you say it together not very nice so how do you how do you deal with this i, I have no idea how, how many more numbers in chinese are like bad numbers See, the thing is that with chinese it, it plays a lot on these uh was it, is it homophones like the words that sound similar and it, it's, it's is it sus it, it the, i think it's death and then the number three, and then the number eight. I think that's the pronunciation of it. Um, and I can't remember, I don't know where it came from, actually, to tell you the truth. But you can look it up if you're interested in Mandarin Chinese homophones, swearing, and expletives, and curse words. There there it is for you. I mean, there's one of them. So, yeah. Anyway, happy International Women's Day again. <laughs> oh, jeez. Where would you send your kids to school or university? Would you send them in to China? Would you send them overseas? Now, it was uh, there was actually um, 
So there was a, a news article today uh, saying that um, China was at least one of these Congress ministers or whatever, whoever's meeting in, in Beijing right now, he was saying we should scale back on our English teaching. Uh, and, uh, you know, we don't need it as much. The uh, It's not as necessary as it used to be sort of thing, I guess. Or maybe it's just not necessary at all anymore um, for them to, to be as strenuous in their studies. Now, this sort of follows uh, a two or three year bludgeoning of several industries, two industries in particular. Number one, the education uh, was it was education hit first or was it technology? Like when Jack Ma was talking about Bitcoin and he got the slap on the wrist and it, now he's not even in China anymore. Uh, but uh, the uh, so the tech industry got hit hard, uh, and then what happened was the education. There was education reforms, a double reduction policy, uh, and that reduced not only the homework but the uh, number of institutions that could offer tutoring or teaching in core curriculum subjects, and that included English. So, uh, like, if you were a foreigner in China working for Wall Street English or something before the uh, COVID pandemic, uh, you would probably be teaching on the side as well, uh, using the same visa, and, you know, people would sort of look the other way, uh, and that would enable you to make decent coin. They stopped that, and they, they basically, like, the policy not only killed the institution that you were working for, it said that if we catch you private tutoring in any way, shape, or form, the core curriculum subject, that being English, or if you try to say, well, I'll teach you how to be a house cleaner, but do it all in English, they also said, we catch you doing that, we'll fine you and deport you, basically. So they have cr- all but crushed the uh, English um, teaching, not just the English teaching, it's the core curriculum teaching, but the private tutoring industry in China has been severely restricted. So uh, that's been going on. Now, how does this uh, affect us with these, the sending kids overseas? With that, uh, I mean, there's another guy I follow on Twitter, and he was basically saying that uh, in the presentations that he's seen, at because he had a couple of kids in school, and there was a presentation, he's saying, no one's talking about going to Tehran. No one's talking about going to Moscow. No one's talking about any of those places. They're talking about sending their kids to the UK, to the United States. To Canada, so of course, you know, with is it that people are even with the reduction of teaching English, or that well, we don't need English as much? Is going well, yeah, but these kids, it's not just the kids; it's the parents. They they don't want to go to these countries that are stirring up trouble. That oh, they like to point the fingers and poke. You know, uh, the U.S. led. They call it the U.S. led Western system. Boy, do they like their Nikes and McDonald's and stuff like that. And it's, it's not just those things. It's it's the innovation that comes with that system of craziness, basically. <laughs> I don't think anyone from Britain, the United States, Canada, Australia is at all going to disagree with you if you said, well, your system seems to be in complete disarray. Many people would say, yeah, no, it's uh, really bad out there fucked up basically that's what you would say the key difference uh with when you're criticizing that system is that you are allowed to criticize that system you're allowed to scream it at the top of your lungs you're allowed to even march on the government buildings you can't do that in some of these other places 
there seems to be a little bit more freedom. So you can go ahead and yell, scream, shout, get help for all of your problems, talk about your problems, create businesses around your problems, monetize your problems, and get educated about your problems. Unlike in some other places where that same depth is not allowed. not It's not there. China isn't against this. And I, I can... Is for all the, like when I tell people I'm living in China, people know I'm living in China. Like, how could you ever live there? I'm like, China isn't trying to be that big bad brother in the room. It's it's not right. It is very much trying to navigate a, a world in which it does have similar interests to its as its northern neighbor, who's causing trouble in uh, Eastern Europe. But it also understands that, and through history, because it does have a very long history, uh, that business is good. Business is a good idea. The free flow of capital is a good idea. Uh, Free market mechanisms work really well. Uh, And, I mean, there is a lot to be said about a system that is, you know, free. Now, who's at the top? Who they would call the man in charge? I think that's where there's a little bit more of a contention about how the methodology is going on. Uh, and, of course, in the media, I mean, you remember the name Trump? Uh, you'd, you'd certainly hear, oh, he's trying to be a dictator. And there was lots of memes of him with uh, all the other famous dictators of nowadays. Uh, you know, um, again, you're allowed to publish those memes. In other parts of the world, you can't get away with it. So... Where would you send your kids to school or university? Yeah, um, if you don't know English, can you go to university there anymore? How can the ESL industry adapt to it? How can ESL educators... uh, Hi, hello, me. That's (laughs) How can we adapt? I mean, one thing that I see, okay, uh, the easiest thing for me to do right now is create a podcast. Okay, so that, that would be create content that these kids, not just kids, language learners can use easily with access and that isn't politicizing and that isn't, you know, horribly generic like uh, some of the IELTS materials or the TOEFL materials, like the study materials that are just so generic, general, 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 Uh, be a little bit more topical, but not to the sense that it's debating, um, you know, the, the, uh, the main points you can debate the main points but you don't have to debate so vigorously about any one thing i mean your politics are your politics your religion is your religion your your gender and sex and orientation i mean you can talk about things those things but you don't have to get into pointed arguments about it right and that's sort of where i see a lot of uh my content production for the esl sphere anyway heading the other thing that i would think that is going to be huge in the next five to ten years um, and as a, a part of the language teaching industry is going to be not just the metaverse, but com- uh, computer games, gaming, uh, AI, but not in the way that ChatGPT is doing it. AI in the sense that you're still going to have to learn how to deal with people from different cultures. There is no one world global culture. There's an indication of it, but it's not... A cohesive whole just yet. Right. And so with that, someone from the United States is going to understand the words that you say differently if you don't say them either in the right way, correct intonation, 
or use the uh, correct words. If you're speaking with a very high register, if you're talking very high-level academic words, someone who's just you know working in a factory who's dealing processing these orders is going who are you who are you what are you talking about why don't you just use simple words right so those things like that context is going to be uh, uh important your logic is going to be important as well dealing with these different cultures like well why, why is this person saying it that way is it context is it cultural is it contextual um what is it right so those things i do see changing and one way to sort of uh, patch it, solve it, address it, uh, help it. Gaming, for sure. Um, like Think of Duolingo. I also think of italki as well, where you can meet a lot of people and talk with a lot of people around the world. Uh, but gaming um, and using a lot of uh, computer-assisted uh, work, because it's not going to just be the language. It's going to be being able to communicate with people and using the language and the cultural knowledge that goes along with it. Being able to talk about subjects will the technology be able to keep up with the new words that we generate for like how blitzkrieg fast business is developing the internet develops over these years anyway uh workouts in today got four miles in at lunch and then weights after work i want to test out the body and seems to be working pretty fine no aches or pains or anything from uh the weekend's episodes i was saying that i could probably i probably could have run on monday but one thing I did notice, I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of running. And it's not like physically tired. I'm just, I have other things I got to get done. Uh, and so th- actually that's what I was doing today is after work, after working out, I finally sat down and worked on a, uh, another piece today. Uh, but uh, four miles at lunch, so that was uh, feeling pretty good. I can't remember what my timing was. Probably just under 40 minutes or so, 39 minutes or so. Not the fast. Again, uh, going slow. I'm trying not to go too fast. It's just get out there and, and start running. Uh, I see a few more people running outside in the morning. Uh, it has warmed up considerably, so it's it's getting nice in that way. Uh, and these lunchtime runs, uh, they might be tough to do because the way the weather works is that when it's in the morning, you know, it's okay to get hot and sweaty before you work because then you're going to shower and get and go to work and then start work. But at lunch, it's like you've cooled down or you're not sweating as much, and then you go run. And then you're going to be sweating even more. It's just, you're you're making a problem worse sort of thing. Who knows? Maybe we'll just start running three times a day. And it's like, okay, well, four miles each. And why not? No, I'd, I'd, oof, that'd be tough. Twice a day, possibly. Morning and noon. Uh, and then afterwards, do wait, uh, do weights or something like that. I could, I could see something along those lines. But I don't know. It, it, again, how much of this do you want to do? Great Leap uh, Brewing expanding its business throughout China via the franchising method. Now, Jing A has done this before. Now, Jing A and Great Leap are some of the, the, the two uh, the, the two big wigs. Same with Slowboat here in Beijing for the craft beer scene. Great, Great Leap started it basically 10 years ago, 11 years ago, back in 2011, 2012. Maybe it was 2014. Anyway, uh, very good beer. Um, the Great Leap, I think, actually changed uh, in around 2018. Uh, it just wasn't the same quality anymore. And I think Jing A, for me at least, overtook them in terms of uh, their quality and their offerings, their flavor offerings. Uh, so Great Leap sort of languished behind in that case. But Great Leap has, uh, does it have, it has a store in Chengdu and it has a store, I think there's another one across uh, somewhere else. Um, 
outside of Beijing. They do have four or five locations in Beijing now, so this is a, it's a big enough enterprise. These guys, uh, if I remember, did Great Leap get to? Oh uh, no, that was Boxing Cat in Shanghai, right? But Great Leap, do they have? They're actually going to team up with uh, Duval, the beer company Duval, and they're going to start producing some of the um, uh, uh, what's it called, Duvet. A vedette, there we go, vedette beer in their Tianjin factory. So that's actually kind of a neat development that they're going to, uh, that, that they're undergoing here. So not only they're going to be selling their beers across the nation uh, and like franchising the Great Leap name, or at least I'm not sure if they're franchising the name exactly. So if they're going to have like a Great Leap franchise, or if it's just the the, the ability to sell uh, Great Leap beers in their location. Um, one thing I noticed that uh, Jingyi, the last time I was there, they actually had a non-alcoholic beer, Ling Dao, so no alcohol, uh, which tastes just like their Jingdao uh, Pilsner. Great beer, just none of the buzz, none of the alcohol, which I was like, this is great, awesome, good. So I can still go out and have uh, Jingyi food or whatever it is, go out for the evening and not, not lose the evening, basically. I don't know if Great Leap does that. They do ciders, but I think their ciders still have alcohol. I'm not sure if all of them do. Not entirely sure. But uh, yeah, craft beer market is huge here in Beijing. Um, I don't really go out anymore. I don't go to these places too much. I used to back in like 2014, 2015. 2015 is when I f remember first going to Great Leap in January. Uh, and I went with a couple of guys from the, the university. And I think I just sat there and tried all the beers. I was like, wow, this is new. <laughs> this is very new. I like this. this and I'll tell you. I think the great, uh, not just Great Leap, but the craft beer scene helped me stay in Beijing. If there, if there wasn't that ability to try out these new beers, because the, the craft beer scene didn't hit my hometown until like after I'd left, basically. Um, and this is where I sort of found it, uh, I, that I was able to f uh, explore it, I guess you could say, uh, with these three, like Great Leap, Jing'e, and Slobo. And, I mean, others have come and gone, uh, usually because they weren't very good. But uh, the idea that there was a place to eat Western-style burgers, greatly have that, um, and then have good beer that tasted different, not just like a, a you know a watery pilsner all the time or a watery lager. The lager they had different flavors of beers, which was very nice, and it distracted me enough from and got me hammered enough to basically make it through the early years of my stay in China. If they weren't here, would I still be here? Uh, I don't know. Easier green card. Oof, this is interesting. So uh, there was, I don't know if this has been instantiated just yet, put into uh, practice, or if this is being proposed. But someone, again, at this National Congress that's going on said, got to make it easier for people to get green cards. No, People come here, they live here for years, and they don't get, like, it's, they're never able to actually be a, a resident, which no doubt there's probably a tax move behind it. I don't know. But in terms of attracting talent, attracting people to stay here for the long term, put down roots, do the investments, China has opened up. Like This is one thing that's really weird about uh, when you hear China sort of boasting about its massive accomplishments um, and sort of saying that it's sometimes on par with the United States. I'm going... Oh, wow. No, Sorry. guy. No, guys. I mean, you can move to the States in five years, be voting for the next president. 
in China, you can be here for five years and that is never going to happen. Like people would laugh at you. Not only that, along that line, you could move to the States and say that you could be the president of the United States. Whereas if you move to China, you cannot say that you'd be the chairman of China. They would, Not only would they laugh, they'd probably report you for it, right? So there, there's a huge difference. There's In terms of longevity in the country, China is not a longevity country. It just doesn't want outside people in the country for very long. It's It wants the talent for a, uh, you know, a short term progress which is odd because like i mean i think uh the owners of great leap and jing a i think they have their residence cards i'm sure they they should by now uh but so the one uh new development that caught my eye was that if you are it said if you were an investor now another part said if you're a direct investor for more than three years you can apply for a green card status so i'm thinking whoa, 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 whoa investor like are we talking like if I held a stock for three years, or if I traded stocks for three years, like if I have substantial money in the markets, how much is substantial? Give me a number. How many years? I've been trading for three years. I'm going three or four years. I can't remember. Is it possible that I could apply for this residence card? Now, I've talked about the residence card before and what it would actually do for me. It doesn't do... I know people who haven't. <laughs> they are horribly... There are a lot of times they are disappointed by what it can and cannot do. One thing, though, like a, so it, it's kind of like a, uh, a passport. It's, like, it's kind of like a Chinese national ID card, but it doesn't hold the same weight. Uh, it should enable you to travel... Uh, on trains and planes and everything without carrying your passport. So if you want to put your passport in a safe place and just carry your ID card, I'm not sure if that's even a good idea to tell you the truth because like if you lost the ID card, then you're definitely screwed, right? Uh, I mean, maybe you can get someone to quiet uh, D or uh, like ferry over or fly over your uh, your passport, but I mean, you lose the ID card. Oof, oh boy, that, that's not a situation you want to be in. Um, same like you don't want to lose your passport either, right? So if that's possible to apply for the green card, the one thing that I'd be looking at is if I ever lost a job, I don't have to leave the country and redo the visa process, or even I don't have to go through a lot of the visa process. Instead, it would be a contractual process with the companies. That's it. That's the one thing I would look for. Not only that, I think it's easier to conduct business so like if i ever want to go into business as a filmmaker whatever it is i think it'd be easier holding the green card than it would being you know uh, employed on a, a visa sponsored by a uh, another company because they require you to have two or three years experience or some sort of degree in it uh, and then reference letters and stuff like that whereas a green card i mean you basically have all the same rights and privileges except for voting rights and some other things uh like i don't think you get you might get access to the pension system i'm not sure through the green card but you can do you can basically almost start your own business you might still need a chinese partner not entirely sure it would just be easier with the green card basically anyway that bank info that i was uh, talking about yesterday yeah it was wrong <laughs> checked with the uh, the bank they didn't get back to me i see this timestamp. And they got back to me just after I fell asleep last night. So I was like, oh, that would have been good to have today. But uh, so I got to wait till tonight. They'll get back to me. Hopefully I'll get the new information uh, and get that submitted tomorrow. Let's see. Hopefully I haven't lost a bunch of money. Boy, that would suck. 
<laughs> Oops. March Motion. Yes, I am in the process of, uh, well, they're not uploading just yet, but I was soundtracking uh, uh, some of them today. So if I don't get them uploaded today, then I'll certainly get them uploaded uh, over the next day or so. So I'll have the Instagram and the YouTube channels updated. It's, you know, I wish, I, I really do want to be doing this one a day. It's just, it's t- when you work a full-time job and you're working out, and I know I don't have any dependents or any other responsibilities. Like, literally, once I get off work, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. So where is all my time going? I don't know. I have no clue. I mean, I do. I mean, I might watch YouTube for 30 minutes while I'm eating dinner. That's it. But then it's like, I'm doing this podcast, got to upload that. I also, I, okay, the other thing with watching YouTube, I, there have been several projects that I've started that I scrapped because I was like, ah, I don't like this. Today, I just finally sat down, like, just make something. <laughs> do it. Just make something and do it quickly. Stop saying no to these things, right? So that's what I was doing. Anyway, folks, I'm going to leave it there. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Show notes and tracks up on my website, stephenserski.com. Thanks for listening once again. Have a good one. We'll talk again. Bye-bye.